Bring in Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Hello, Fridge. How are you? I'm good, Jeff. How are you doing? Uh, I'm well. So I know you've always been a big Daniel Alfredson guy. Uh, you've made that yeah. point quite clear for a number of years. So uh, probably not a surprise that he finally makes it into the Hall of Fame. But do you have a thought on your experiences with Daniel Alfredson? I mean, you covered a lot of games in his prime uh, with Hockey Night in Canada. Your experiences with him and your thoughts on his career as he takes his place in the Hall of Fame. Well, obviously, I'm, I'm very happy for him. I you know, in terms of the players I dealt with during my time in the league, he's right at the top of the list as my favorite. Um, just, you know, a, a great player. Um, and I, I, I'm really happy for him. I, there, there's a lot of good memories I, I think I have of him. Uh, first of all, the number one thing I'd say is that he was always available when or lose. Never hid, never ran, uh, always talked. Um, and, you know, the senator suffered some really challenging defeats during the time I was at Hockey Night. Uh, they had great heights, but they also had really, really tough losses. And he would always show up uh, one way or the other. Um, you know, I, I just, I just, I, I remember a lot of great games. I remember a lot of good laughs. Like, if, if there was after a loss and you threw him kind of like a different question, a curveball question, he always handled it. I remember the night I was working in Ottawa, the night I think like uh, Don Cherry said that he was like, they had the crusty, the clown hair going. Yeah. And so yeah. They, they were like, we have, you have to ask Alfredson about this or tell Alfredson about this. And I can't remember if it was in a live interview or off air, but I did. He laughed his head off. He thought it was the funniest thing. Um, um, you know, he was just a, like a, a great guy to cover. And, uh, like it, it's a it's a really good group. There's a, there's a lot of talent in this group, and nobody's going to knock anybody or debate anybody for being undeserving in this group. So, uh, you know, I I think it's a, a, a going to be a fantastic class next year. Yeah, you know the 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 one symmetry that I'll draw between the Sedins and Luongo and Daniel Alfredson, they were both part of teams. They're they're part of a sort of you know a great club, and they're joining a a wonderful one in the Hall of Fame. But they were also part of a club that I don't think many players want to be part of, and that was they were part of teams that were the greatest to not win the Stanley Cup. Like when I think of that Ottawa Senators team that Alfredson was on, and man, the Olympics with that Hashik injury just crushed them. They did make it to the Stanley Cup final in 2007. When that Ottawa Senators team was on and clicking, there was no stopping that team. Like they were the best in the NHL period. And you know that that era with uh, the heyday of the Vancouver Canucks. Like when that team was on, like I know that they were both at the same time the most loved and most hated team in the NHL, and it's hard to do that at the same time, but they managed to capture it. Um, but when Vancouver was on, like that team was as close to being unbeatable as possible too for each. Yeah, like I mean, that Vancouver team was that was a great team. That was a that was a fantastic team, and. Uh, you know, you, you just take a look at uh, how many people from that team have been honored or, or will be honored, whether it's by the entire league or by the Canucks themselves. You know, the Sedins and Luongo are going in now, and I think it's only a matter of time. You know, uh, BX is like uh, he, he's negotiating for his his final <laughs> day as, as a Canuck, and I think I think Kessler wants one too. So yeah. uh, that was that was that was a heck of a team. I mean, 
the Sedins to me were such first ballot no brainers. I, oh, I yeah. had someone say to me yesterday, "Are you sure the Sedins are first ballot Hall of Famers?" And my response was, "I can't even believe you're asking me this question. Like, how how could you even debate that?" that they are first ballot Hall of Famers. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy to see them go in. I'm happy to see them go in with Mwango. And because mm. I, I think that's perfect. It's a big win for Vancouver. And I love the tweet the access sent out yesterday of him lying in the crease causing havoc around all three of those players. I thought it was fantastic. That's excellent. The, uh, the, the one reason that I appreciated the Sedins um, was... At, you know, at that time, and, and this is sort of changing too. And the, I find that the uh, the NHL is sort of bending now more towards how the Sedins played hockey. Um, but you can recall, like in that era, everything was north south. Everything was yep. sprint, 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 up and down the ice, sprint. And they were the two that, while the game was going north south, Elliot, they were going east west, and they were so profoundly different than anybody else in the NHL. Yes, and, and the one thing I would always say about them too, Jeff, is that you couldn't always appreciate them on TV. Like one of the things, the good things about me getting to go work at Hockey Night in Canada when I did was I saw them at their best and I saw them in person. I, I just think that TV sometimes doesn't capture everything, mm-hmm. and it was hard to tell how good they were always on television. You almost had to see it in the rink. And uh, that was one of the things I really enjoyed doing when it came to the two of them. All right. So, uh, so that's the class that goes in. Uh, the Sedins, Luongo, Alfredson, Salonen, and Carnegie. Uh, can, I, can, I just talk about Herb Car- can I just talk about Herb yeah. Carnegie for a second? Of course. So, so when um, there, was, there was a time I did a story on, I did a story on Herb Carnegie for Hockey Night in Canada. And it was when we were still on the CBC. And, uh, you know, it was around the time that Willie O'Ree was finally starting to get his recognition. But I wanted to do a story on Herb Carnegie because uh, I I really liked the story and I I thought it deserved some attention. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget this, Jeff. I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly, but I wanted to at some point. And, um, you know, I just figured I would... You know, I just figured I would tell it now. So we ran this piece, and a few days later after the piece ran, I got a letter from someone. And I won't say who it was, but it was someone within the CDC. And somebody said to me, and and there was a complaint filed with the CBC ombudsperson that I had done this piece. And basically what 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 the complaint said was, that I had argued that, or I had made the point in the piece, that Herb Carnegie was good enough to be in the NHL, but he didn't because of the color of his skin at the time. And someone argued that that point was flawed and faulty, and it was not true, and Herb Carnegie was not good enough to be in the NHL. And my point, my, my, my article stating this was an error, and it should be retracted. So I think I, I'm not sure about the full story, but I don't believe I was allowed to know this. I think when there are these kinds of complaints that come, um, you know, you're not supposed to know about them. But whatever the case, I, I found out and I they asked me, do you, like, do you have any defense for this? 
And I actually said, give me a couple days. And I wrote this whole long piece uh, that basically said why that argument was complete BS and why I stand by the piece. And basically, I think the last line of it was a line from Jean Beliveau's uh, biography where he said Herb Carnegie was good enough to play in the NHL. And I, said, I think my, la- my last line was, if Jean Beliveau says it's okay, then I think the CBC should be comfortable saying that this piece is okay. And so I submitted it, and I never heard anything again. So I'm assuming they bought the argument. But that was, I, I do remember that. When I did that piece on Herb Carnegie, I, as far as I know, that's only one of two times anyone complained to the CBC ombudsperson about me. So as far as I know. Right. The um, I mean, Jean Beliveau, and this goes back to the Quebec Aces, where both Beliveau played and Ozzy uh, played with uh, with his brothers as well. Um, Beliveau was always Beliveau always made that point wherever he went that Herb Carnegie should be playing in the NHL. And don't forget that senior loop specifically, and that team was an elite level team. Like the Montreal Canadiens to get Jean Beliveau into the Montreal, they, they had to buy the they had to buy the entire league. To That's get right. his rights, to get to get him to turn pro, and you know Beliveau was the top dog in that league and was making a very healthy wage. And also to the point about the Rangers, the Rangers offered him a tryout, but he was making more money in the in the in the in the Quebec Senior League. So he could very well have gone to try out for the Rangers, but the problem was he was making more money in Quebec. This was I know this sounds ridiculous right now, but even. Um, you know, Johnny Bauer was making more money at one point playing with Cleveland in the AHL than he would have made in the NHL. And that's why he stayed in the American League. Like, the draw outside of the NHL was still quite big financially, and there were financial incentives that weren't offered in the National Hockey League. So the yes. idea that Herb Carnegie could not have played in the NHL, to me, is folly. And he still played in leagues where he was being compensated well. Now... I can remember the first time that I met Herb Carnegie. I was doing the Leafs Lunch Show with, uh, with Bill Waters, and Herb came in, and he was there um, with his daughter, who still runs the, uh, the Carnegie Initiative. Bernice. And Bernice, yeah. A spectacular person, just a, a wonderful yeah. person. Um, and, you know, he was such a, such a gentleman and telling his story, and this is when his book was, was first released. Um, and he talked about the Con Smythe story and how close he became, he, how close he was to becoming an, an NHLer. Um, but it was just blunt racism that that kept him out. Which is, you know, listen, I, I think the one day the NHL is going to have a reckoning over a lot of their trophies. But that's for another story. And and he teared up, like to to yeah. that day, like try, just trying to get that story out, Frege. And he'd had you know decades to think about it and come to grips with it. Still. You know, here's you know, here's a legend and a giant in the industry. And I had met him for about ten minutes, you know, tearing up, recounting this story. That's how painful it was even after all those years. There's there's yeah. there's no there was no reconciling for, for Herb Carnegie. And I'm I'm glad that um listen, uh North York Centennial Arena in Toronto was a rink that I always loved because it had yes. the best ice in the city. And mm-hmm. I'm only too happy to now say it's you know, listen, this is a while back that that's Herb Carnegie now. That's yep. Herb Carnegie Arena, and it is the best ice in the uh, in, in, in the GTA, uh, and it bears his name. And he's a giant, and he's going into the Hockey Hall of Fame. And you were right; uh, that is someone who should have played in the NHL. Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Julian Breezebois confirming something that we've talked about for a while, and that is interest from around the NHL for Jeff Halperin and Derek Lalonde to assistance uh, with the Tampa yep. Bay Lightning. I'm assuming that it's, A, at least Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know if it's any teams other than just the Detroit Red Wings? I don't at this time. Like I think Boston is down to a short strokes, and it's. I think it's either... I think Quinn and Montgomery are are yeah. definitely in there. Um, I, I think those are the names I'm kind of focusing on right now. Not to say there isn't anyone else involved, but I think that those are the two names I think a lot of people are kind of focusing on. We'll see. Uh, Detroit, I mean, you've been on top of that one from the beginning that uh, you believed in Lalonde. I, I think Halpern, they've probably talked to him too. And Winnipeg, I'm still trying to figure out. Like, I, I do think that uh, Winnipeg, I don't know if expanded their search, but I know they at least made contact with Brunette, and we'll try to figure out if the Tampa guys are involved here at all either. Uh, you saw the list of injuries from yep. Tampa today, whether it's uh, Prust with the tear in his quad, or Point rather with the tear in his quad, uh, Cirelli with the AC joint sprain, uh, meniscus for Kucherov, finger for McDonough. Uh, what is it? we got a mangled finger? For yeah, foot fracture. Mang- I love that mangled finger. Um, <laughs> for, the Chushkin's foot looked mangled too. That can be his injury, yes. mangled foot. Uh, Brandon Hagel with the foot fracture. Both Paul and Perry with shoulder sprains as well. This was like this was like this was this was a zombie movie by the end. For the Tampa Bay Lightning Freeze. Like, I know the big reveal is always interesting, but you look at the nature of the injuries to players that have played a long time. And after that game on Sunday, Tampa players are saying, Wait till you see the list of injuries. You'll be stunned. And I'm stunned at, uh, at what Tampa went through in these playoffs. Well, here's a conversation, Jeff, I had with someone the other day. Can this ever change? And I'm, my I'm, answer was, I don't know how it can. Like, like someone said to me, the NFL doesn't have these kinds of injuries. And I said, well, the NFL plays four playoff games max. Like, I yeah. think you have to, to – I think the most games you, can, you need to win the Super Bowl is four. In the NHL, you can play 28 games. Like right. if you look at Tampa this year, they played – what was it? Uh, they, they won 13 and they lost nine, so they played 22 games. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if we're like, – like, I don't know if we're fixing this. The way, the way, like certainly, you know, you have to. Can you make more calls? Absolutely, you can. But the games are hard. They always will be hard. People compete hard, and you know, the shot blocking is is a big one too. Yeah, I don't know that you can as long as you're doing four out of seven for each. Yeah, and that's not changing. If if you're going to continue to insist on, like, there's a couple of things here. If the league and players association are going to insist on 82 games and best of seven series with no. with with a, with a field with a field of 16, then I don't know how we get around this yeah. at all. I think this is. I'm with you. Like this is. Like, it would take a profound change in how the game is played and a profound rewriting of the rule book. And the game would look radically different, but as it is right now, essentially these guys are playing their hardest hockey, their most dangerous hockey, every two nights for two months. 
None of it should be a surprise. Uh, and, and, but, that, but the question is, is there any way you can ease it? And that's the conversation I was having, having with someone yesterday. And I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how you do. And, and then there, there always comes a debate is, are, are people wrong for competing while they have this? And my answer to this always is, if you have something that you really want in life, you're going to do whatever it takes to get it. And I know if, if that was my career and I was a pro hockey player, I don't know if you could, it would take a lot for me to, if I could play, I would. You would have to drag me off the ice. And I don't like making those kinds of decisions for other people. I think that if, if I want to play and I'm cleared to play, uh, I'm going to play. And I know a lot of other people are like that. Yeah, I know. And that's like, I, I know if you ask any of these athletes, like the combine, the combine questions are always interesting sometimes um, when players get asked things like, you know, if it would, if it would, you know, shave years off your life, but you would win a Stanley Cup, would you do it? given the nature of the injuries that come at the end of it. And when you're young, you don't think about what's going to happen, you know, when you're 40, 50, 60 years old. You just, you just don't. Yeah. Like if I said, Elliot, you know, you're 25 years old, uh, I'm going to need you to do the, to, to do what, you know, Brandon Hagel did to try to win a Stanley Cup. But it's going to mean you're going to have back issues for the rest of your life. You're going to have chronic back pain for the rest of your life. What would you say? I would say if I really wanted to win the Cup, I would it. do you it. Would do it. You would do it, and I think the majority, if like not only an overwhelming majority, would feel the exact same way. As the game is constructed right now, I don't think that yep. there's anything that you can do. And the only question you can have is: Is there an appetite to change the game profoundly at all? And right now, for each, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think that there is. I'm with you. I'm totally uh, with you. Uh, you know, interesting that, that Brisebois mentions, uh, I want to get to this really quickly. They want to keep uh, Paul. They want to keep Palat. They want to keep Ruda. I just don't know how they do that unless they're going to make a big trade here. Um, if it comes right down to it, do you have a feeling on which is the guy they'd most like to keep or most have, most have room for to keep? Well, I, I think the guy they'd most want to keep is Palat because he's theirs. The, and like the, the one thing I, I've learned about Tampa is they will like they are I wouldn't want to well they're pretty ruthless in the pursuit of winning right like that's what they want to do they want to win and I I just think with them that if they have to cut some things or make some moves to keep Palat I think they're going to do it like what this is going to come down to is. Do they think they can keep them? Do they think there's a deal that can be made? And if the answer is yes, then they'll find a way. Like the thing with Ruda is, if you look at some of the deals they signed, Perry is two years at a million, Bogosian yep. is three at eight fifty. Is Ruda going to be willing to take a deal like that? If he's willing to take a deal like that, then they can keep him. If he's not, they probably can't. I think the thing with Palad is like, like. I just wonder right now, and we talked about this yesterday, is, is they're going to see Palat after the year he's had and say he's incredibly valuable. And if they have to move someone who has a bigger salary or a, a, or, or a mid-tier salary who they don't see as valuable, I think they're going to do it. 
Uh, I don't disagree. Uh, Want to park a little bit of time for this? Um, this is a story that jumps off of the sports pages as well. Um, Scotiabank announcing on Tuesday, Elliot, that they're pausing the sponsorship of Hockey Canada. This um, after the uh, sexual assault allegations, um, which we've all been reporting on for the past uh, month and a half. Uh, an open letter written by Scotiabank President and CEO Brian J. Porter. Um, Scotiabank, appalled by the recent reports, uh, believes people within Hockey Canada need to be held accountable. And here's the quote. Today, we've made the decision to pause our sponsorship of Hockey Canada until we are confident the right steps are being taken to improve the culture within the sport, both on and off the ice, expecting Hockey Canada to, quote, fully cooperate with the federal government audits. Thoughts on this one? Um, uh, I, uh, well, I mean... We all kind of wondered, like, after the government said they were going to freeze some of the funding, I think we all kind of wondered, would this story happen? Uh, Would some of the sponsors follow suit? And there were some rumors earlier this year that uh, Scotiabank was a little bit unhappy uh, after um, the story in Chicago. So I, 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 I don't know if I would just say I'm surprised or not surprised, but there were rumors that they had been a little happy. So, I guess this is what happens if, you know, there's too many of these stories, is that people get upset, people don't want to be attached to it, and oh, that we have to do everything we can to make sure that these stories stop. And because it's, it's just hurtful. There's... There's, there's no, it's hurtful to the people involved and everybody around the sport. And um, I, I don't think we should be surprised that it happened. I don't know if you expect it to happen, but I don't think we should be surprised that it happened. I just wonder if this thought starts the ball rolling for other sponsors. Again, there's no answer to it, but now that Scotiabank has done this, you wonder about other sponsors uh, of Hockey Canada, whether they follow suit or not. Um, Elliot, enjoy your day. It's a beautiful day in Toronto. Uh, the sky looks like Ferris Bueller's day off. Uh, enjoy it with your family, my friend. You be well. Uh, all right, buddy. Take care, Jeff. Speak to you later. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.